I love that song so much because that is the question, who am I? And depending on how you answer that question, the whole trajectory of your life can be adjusted, right? And can be changed. And so we have to figure out who we are. And what's interesting is, you know, when you start to get a little older and you start being reflective and you want to think about those things, you do all this work to figure out your family of origin or the world around you. And the reality is, is you can have all these helpful tools to see understand who you are, but those are just like putting on different glasses, different lenses, but they're all still murky. They're all still cloudy. They don't give us the best picture of who we are until we actually come to scripture. And what happens is we come to scripture, we actually get this perfect lens. We get the perfect lens of who God is. And because we have the perfect lens of who God is, we get the sense of who we are in Christ. And so um, there's this passage in Romans chapter 12. It says this, that do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we want to be transformed people. We want to be Holy Spirit people. We want to be people who show up and actually have God mold us and shape us and change us. And one of the ways that transformation happens is by the renewing of our mind, by people who are deeply rooted in scripture and letting the scripture inform our view of God and our view of ourselves. And so as we've been going through this sermon series, right, we want to engage with the spiritually hungry toward a life in Christ that's intelligent, I mean, inspired, intelligent, and involved. And for the last four weeks, or so we've been looking at this idea of, of inspired, of how do we keep our heart warm towards God? How do we have this devotional posture towards God? There's certain disciplines and certain things we want to understand and lean into so that we are inspired, that we don't just go through the motions of faith, but we are people who are devoted in our faith life. And we're turning the corner for the next few weeks and we're looking at the idea of being intelligent, that we want to be people who don't just have a blind faith or just an emotional faith, but we have a faith that is rooted in Scripture. And we read the scriptures and we long for it to actually mold our brains to transform us. And so we're going to spend these next few weeks understanding what it means to dive into the scriptures and how to leverage it to understand who God is, who we are, and how to be intelligent in our faith. And so we're going to look at our identity in Christ. And so this morning, you guys are in for a treat because I'm going to invite up my friend Tana Inskeep. And she's actually going to bring the message this morning. She is a congregant just like you. Um, she's from Texas, which might not be like you, but she's from Texas. And, uh, you know, through a whole wild story, um, you know, God ultimately ended up grabbing a hold of her heart and radically changed her and transformed her, um, gifted her, I think, for ministry and for speaking. And uh, she was a missionary in the Middle East for a little bit. She did campus ministry for a little bit. She went to seminary and got her master's in intercultural studies and uh, has a, now she's a mom of four kids, been, been a part of our church. And uh, I just am convinced you are going to be blown away, encouraged um, by God working in and through you, Tana, through your story and your gifts. And, um, and so I'm excited for you to bring the word today. So the floor is yours. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm super, oh, I like that. Okay, let's, let's do this. We can do this through the whole thing. Um, I'm so excited to be here. And as we start, I'd like to ask you a question. And please take this question with you throughout our um, sermon today. So I want to ask you a question. Who are you? Who are you? I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm from Houston, Texas, and I was adopted at birth. So I don't know my birth family at all. I don't know their names. I don't know what they look like. I know I have siblings out there. And I was adopted into another family, and they had two sons, and I was brought into their family from birth. 
And from the earliest age I can remember, my mom physically abused me, emotionally, mentally. She used to grab me by the shirt and jerk me back and forth. She would just get so angry and violent and she literally just tore the shirts off of my back. And I don't remember my parents ever saying, I love you, or hugging me, holding me, I'm proud of you. And just kind of grew up in walking on eggshells. And I remember one morning, my, we were in the kitchen and my mom got mad at me about something and she took the wooden spoon out of the utensil holder and she just began to beat me on the head so hard that I literally fell in the corner and had to cover myself, protect my head, and she just began to, she just wouldn't stop. And then finally, the spoon broke on my, in my hands, my head, and I remember running. She went to go get another spoon. I remember running and going out of her room and ran to school as fast as I could. So that was my upbringing up until like the age of 11. And my dad came into my room and he said, you were looking to send you back to the adoption agency. And a friend of mine, she knew, her, her, parent, her mom knew about the abuse and said, you're welcome, you can come live with us if you want. And I told my dad, and that week they had a discussion with her. They had already taken all of my photos off the, uh, the wall and they had packed everything up and they sent me to my new home. And I was, I was 11 and I just turned 12 and I'm in my a second home now. My dad said, the last things he said to me is, this is like a divorce. You're no longer part of our family. Don't contact your brothers. Don't call us. You need to make this family work. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And so now I'm in my second family and I was only with them for about three months. And my bed was on a mattress on the floor. And I remember waking up one night because a rat had crawled over my legs. And I used to take showers into um, you know, old bath water up to my, my calves because it, was, it wouldn't drain. And I remember going to school one day, couldn't find any clothes. I had to wear dirty clothes because the washing machine was filled with mold. We couldn't wash clothes. And I just remember thinking, I got to get out of here. Like, this is, this is not good. I didn't grow up in a home, you know, that was, it was very clean. And so I called my dad crying, begging him to come home. And he said, um, don't call. He sent me a five-page letter on how to fix everything. And so, you know, putting Drano in and sweeping and picking up. And by this time, another friend of mine knew, her family knew about the abuse, or, or not of the abuse, but like where I was, and they said, you can come live with us, and I jumped at the chance to get out of that situation, and so now I'm in my third family with my friend and her stepsister and then her step-parents, and probably within a year, my, my good friend, my new sister, she got kicked out of the house, and now I'm in this home with people I don't know very well, and I don't look like anybody. I'm going to Thanksgiving and Christmases, and I know I'm the, well, the elephant in the, in, the, you know, in the room. Like, everyone's saying, Grandma, and this, and that, and Aunt, Uncle, and I'm like, I know you're not my grandma. I know you're not, you know. It's just the weirdest, most uncomfortable thing, and I remember um, crying myself to sleep one night, talking to God, whoever he was, just like shaking my fists, like, like, why me? 
why are you doing this to me? I, I felt so alone. I felt so rejected. I didn't, I didn't fit in anywhere. And it was about my, let's see, my sophomore year of high school. So all throughout this time, my safe place was school. My, I always had a teacher that would see me, care for me, help me, love me. And that's where I just, um, I would soar. So I played sports all through middle school, high school. I was class president, all the things, just really involved, fully in. But behind the scenes, you know, life is pretty crazy. And so by my third family, um, I think it was about my junior year, 10th grade, 11th, I moved into my fourth family. Things um, weren't really working out there. And my friend... Her family, we became good friends, and her parents were like, we love you, and we want you to be part of our family. And that's all I ever wanted was just to be loved. And I said, yeah. So now I'm in my fourth family. And unbeknownst to me, within that year, they ended up getting a divorce. So that home, too, was chaotic, crazy, crying, yelling. And I'm, I had built a kind of a wall pretty much around my heart, like, how long is this family going to last? And so... I went into college. I started working my way through college. And at this time, that's when the Holy Spirit began to woo me. I didn't know that at the time, but I started having thoughts about God. And people invited me to this Bible study outreach. And I wanted to go, but I was really scared. I thought God was going to strike me down. And finally, I went, and I loved it. I loved the music. I loved the teaching. And then I would just start going every week. And by probably like the third or fourth time is when I heard the gospel. And I prayed to receive Christ, and my life just changed. I felt like at that moment, I just literally felt like a, a newborn. I was just weeping and just so overwhelmed with, with God's love. And um, so here I am, 19, and like, everything's great now. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like, oh, okay. Actually, all my junk, all my stuff started to come up. Yeah? Anybody, anybody with me? Okay. Um, just me? No, I then I was like, all my stuff started coming up. I was like, felt rejected, abandoned. I'm hearing all this, you know, about feeling beloved, but I didn't feel loved. And I remember just crying out to God, and I wanted to share this quote with you by um, Brennan Manning. And it says, Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and the weak need who know they don't have it all together, and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. And in the Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning also says, one of the mysteries of the gospel tradition, one of the mysteries, so funny that he says strange, the strange attraction of Jesus for the unattractive, the strange desire for the undesirable, and the strange love for the unlovely. Y'all, that was me, okay? I mean, come on, my whole life, like feeling abandoned, unloved, not wanted, not belong. And then here comes Jesus, here comes Jesus on the stage, and he's like, oh, baby boo, I want you. I'm coming for you. 
And listen, I know God doesn't show favoritism. We know what scripture says about that, yeah? But I think he does, I think he likes fringe people. Not French, fringe. <laughs> like the outcast. And it could be true because, you know, in a way, like we're all kind of outcasts. Yeah? Amen? Yeah? I mean, some of us struggle not, you know, maybe we, we think too much of ourselves or we don't feel like we belong or we're not enough. We're not smart enough. We're not good enough. If, if people just knew this about me, they wouldn't like me. Yeah? And the thing is, is shame wants to hide that. We want to walk and hide that stuff. But let me tell you, we don't have to hide. We don't have to look at Jesus and be like, God. No, man, we can look it in his eyes. Because we see all throughout scripture, he is the God of the outcast. He comes, he leaves the 99 and goes for the one. We sing about that, yeah? Okay, and here it is. Here's some scriptures. I just want to show you, like, the woman who bled for 12 years. Okay, Mark 9, 20. She was an outcast. She couldn't go to the temple. She was outside the camp. The leper who felt like a victim, right? And the Levi, the tax collector, everybody hated this. He hated him, right? They hate. They, think of the politician that you hate the most, okay? Think of it, okay? Like, Jesus went to that person. It's like, I want to go to your house and let's dine. Let's be together. Let's break bread. He was not embarrassed to be with him. He was not ashamed to be with him. And he's not embarrassed or ashamed to be with you or me. That's our God. He's not afraid to get dirty, messy, go to the mucks to find us. That's love. Because he's love. And sometimes we can be tempted to hide that part of us, right? Because if people really knew, they wouldn't like us. Because we do have a desire to belong, yeah? So what do we do? We perfect. We try to get all perfect and right. We perform. We wear a mask. We overwork. We overstrive so that we'll be accepted, so that we can get some kind of measure of love. But I want to tell you something about that. You're not your bank account. You're not your zip code. You're not your weight. You're not your car. You're not your job. You're not your achievements. You're not your failures. You're not your mistakes. The world wants to tell you, oh, yeah, you, yeah, you is. Yeah, you are. No. No, baby boo, not in Christ. Yeah? So then who are we? We're here to talk about identity, yeah? Who are we? Before we need to know who we are, we got to know whose we are. And when I first came to know Christ, I knew him as Savior. The word says he, he takes us out of the pit, and he crowned me with love and compassion. He goes to the dark. He takes us out of darkness into light. He's our he's Savior first. And then after that, he became my papa. He became my father. Scripture says, Psalm 1, I think it's like 168.5 says, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of the widows. I don't know if there's anyone out here, maybe you don't have your father anymore. I just think it's kind of interesting, special, lovely, kind, 
super caring, that, that, that's in the scriptures. He's a father to the fatherless. Like knowing that we need someone to go to. We need a strong daddy to run to. He's a defender of the widows. Like he cares for the weak. He cares for us. We don't have to go striving to be strong. He will lift us up. See, do you see what I'm doing right there? When we know who he is, it informs who we are, yeah? Okay, let's keep going. He's the king. He's not just any king. He's not like king of some nation over here. No, he's the king of all kings. He's the great I am. So if he's the king, what does that inform about me? Oh, I'm a princess. Okay, thank you. Let's go. You're a prince. You're a princess. We're co-heirs in Christ. He calls us friend. We're friend. I'm a friend of God. I mean, we could just sit and camp on that all day if we really, really could think about that. A friend of God? Like he cares? He wants to be with us? He loves you? He loves us? Yes. And he's love. Come on. So many of us, including myself, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yep. Looking for love, looking for approval, looking for validation. Am I good enough? Did I do it well enough? Looking, striving, right? To get, because listen, we know how empty that is. Because someone can say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you look good. Oh, really? Okay. Ask me how I know, right? Okay. Um, But listen, he's love. And not just any kind of love. He has unconditional love in our unfaithfulness, in our messiness, in our brokenness, in our whateverness. He still loves us. He loves us. And listen, we can go walking around. We can, we can just be like, oh, God, you know, like, I'm, I'm going to take a break for a little bit. I'm just, I'm just going to come over here, yeah? That's okay. He's here for it all. We can, like, you might think you're in Christ. You might think you're walking away. You're straying away from God. But you can't stray from because guess what? He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, yeah? So he comes with you. And did you know he goes before you and behind you and beside you? That's our God. So if you know that about him, what does that mean about you? It means, oh, he's with me wherever I go. I don't have to be afraid. It means I can walk into this place knowing he's with me. He's the God who sees. What does that mean? He sees me. Though other people don't see me, though other people don't love me, he sees me. He cares for me, yeah? Me and for you. Do you see the difference? Do you see how knowing this and living in this, how it can change your life? The scripture says, as a man thinks, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Because here's the thing. So what do we do now? We know who he is, and we see how that informs our identity, right? As chosen, as beloved, we're a city on a hill. Did you know you're a city on a hill? Did you know that? That's, that's pretty cool. And by the way, you don't have to do nothing to shine because he's the light and the light is in you. But let me tell you who wants to dim your light. The world wants to dim your light. The world wants you to hide. The world wants you to perfect. The enemy's out here to kill, steal, and destroy us. You know why? Because it renders us ineffective for his kingdom. So city on a hill, we just shine. Y'all know that? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, 
I'm gonna let it shine, right? Listen, shame and guilt, that's the quickest way to hide. He is not afraid for us to approach him in our shame, in our guilt, in any other feeling, any other feeling of inadequacy. And by the way, you're also not your feelings. You may feel inadequate sometimes, but you are not inadequate in Christ, okay? Because what does the scripture say? Listen, I hope you're seeing this. We've got to be people of the word because the scripture says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So how do we do this? Because I'm going to tell you, 10, 15 years after becoming a Christian, do you know how hard it was? I would read that I was his beloved. I would read that, and I'm like, you know, people would be like, pray about it. I'm like, I don't feel like he loves me. I don't, I don't believe it. But I knew it here, but I didn't know it here. And I'm going to show you how. I want to teach you how, because guys, this will change your life. You want things to change. You want a transformation? Go lose that 10 pounds. Nope. You want transfer, you want your life to get better? Okay, go get the big house on the hill. Nope, we know that doesn't work, yeah? How do you be transformed? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right here, the mind. Because as a man thinks, so he is. So if you think you're not loved, you think you're not good enough, guess what? As a man thinks, so he is. You're gonna walk around feeling unloved. You're gonna walk around not feeling good enough. You're gonna have your head down. You're gonna hide. You're gonna seek for some way to feel good enough. That's how we're going to live our life. But as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, I know I'm a child of God. I know I don't, I'm not perfect. I know, but I know he loves me. I know he carries me. I know he goes before me, beside me, behind me. And then I can walk in that confidence that it's not about me, it's him. He's doing all the work. So what do we do? Let's take one. This is a spiritual practice that I want to offer you. How often do you do this? How often do you brush your teeth? How often do you take a shower or take a bath? I'm not going to tell you, but if you want to experience that power, that transformation of God and experience the freedom, because it says for freedom, he set us free. It's the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. Yeah? I don't know about you. But I walked around in church so much feeling like a captive. I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be free, but why do I feel like I'm in chains? I know I'm a new creation, but why do I still feel like that little girl? This, right here. The first one is we reflect. Here's the spiritual practice. You reflect. You're just honest with God. God, I'm just not feeling loved right now. Or God, I've been greedy. God, I don't feel like I'm good enough. Whatever. You just reflect. It's not beat yourself up. It's just being honest. The second practice, the second part is confession. And confession isn't about beating yourself up. It's just about connecting to the vine. Oh, what? What? We branches? Oh, we the branch? He the vine? Okay. Let's get connected to the vine, yeah? Because that's where the power is. That's where he is the power. He is the one who transforms, yeah? So we just confess. We say, oh, God, I don't feel beloved I know your word says I'm beloved, but I'm not believing that right now for myself. I have been agreeing that I'm not loved. And I'm sorry that I'm believing a lie. Because this is it. The lie, the lies are what's keeping us stuck. And we, when we can just expose it to the light, darkness doesn't have a stronghold. It's like, God, I've been believing a lie, and I don't know how to get out of this. Help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe here, but I don't believe it here. 
Replace it with the truth. And then the last part is submission. We submit. It's like that song. I am who you say I am. Yeah? You say I'm beloved. Okay, God, I submit. I'm beloved. I submit to your truth. And how often we have to do this. This isn't a one and done. It's not like before Christ and after Christ. No, we're called to be active agents. Active agents. We work alongside him. We walk alongside him. We work out salvation with fear and trembling. Can you imagine, believers? Can you imagine in Marin? Like, if we're actively doing this stuff, like, boom, 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 city on a hill, bright, bright. People are going to be like, what is happening? I want some of this. That's my, that's my prayer for myself, and that's my prayer for you all. So I'm going to ask you one more question. Two more, actually. <laughs> Who are you? And who do you believe he is? Gosh, thank you, Tana. I think what is so incredible about this message, about this story, is that there actually is life transformation. It's not just, that is really interesting, but there actually is transformation that happens. And I love that question because, as you said, it starts with, who is God? And we know that God is unchanging. Yeah. He is unchanging. There's no shadow of turning. We are forever changing. And we need to just embrace that reality. And if we're going to understand who God is, who's never changing, we actually have an opportunity to change. Mm. Our identity actually does change. And the truth is, we all start as orphans and on the outside, on the fringe, looking inside. Right? Even here, if you are new to this Christian experience, you're a guest in the house of God. You're a guest looking in on what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be part of the family. But what's so great about the story of God when we know about God is because he's never, he never changes, his posture towards us is always love. Whether we are on the fringe, whether we're orphaned, whether we're rebellious, whatever we're at, God is always postured towards us to invite us into his kingdom. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus, it is simply an act of faith to say, yes, I want to go from being an orphan to being adopted into the kingdom of God. And because we know that God never changes, we know the truth about God. We know whose we are. Like, like you said, right? We, all of a sudden, we're daughters and sons of the King Most High. We're children of the most benevolent, beautiful, incredible Father. And he has a purpose for us to be a city on a hill. And if you've never done that, that's just a simple act of faith that we'd long for you to say yes to. And I love how you said, too, you just became a Christian, and that was the end of it. And we all know it is years and yeah. decades of working this stuff out, of getting it from our head to our heart. And so for those of you who do deeply love Jesus, we want to encourage you to continue to walk this path of faith, to be people who are working it out so that we can be the people that God longs for us to be. And you may not realize this, but you are a city on the hill. You are the hands and feet of Christ. You are God's ambassadors. When we leave this place, you are the people that get to be the expression of God's grace and mercy and hope for all the people in your world who feel destitute, outside, on the fringe, unloved. You get to be God's person, God's ambassador and all that. So no matter where you are in this journey, I hope that you're willing to take another step towards Christ to be transformed by the renewing of your mind to recognize who the unchanging God is. And because we know who the unchanging God is, that we would actually 
change our sense of ourself and our identity because of that. Tana, would you just pray over us and for us? Yeah. Okay. Father, we love you. We long for you. We worship you. We thank you. We thank you that you're not caught off guard. We thank you that you're unchanging. God, we thank you that when we're unfaithful, you are faithful. When maybe we're believing lies, you are still truth, always. We thank you that you know all things. You are all powerful. You are good. You are so big, the great I am, the beginning and the end, and yet you're so intimate. You're so loving. And I pray for anybody here that that doesn't know you, God, I just pray that your spirit will begin to come after them and to open their eyes so they can see you, hear you, give them ears to hear, eyes to see, soften their hearts, remove a heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Help them to see the light. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here I pray blessings over them. God, I pray that you would give them a hunger and a desire and let it be a joy to commune with you through your word. I pray that they will no longer be ashamed of whatever the quirkiness or whatever the things are, God, but they would say, this is is just part of who I am and I know that you're working it out. God's working it out. And you, you use all things, you redeem all things, you restore all things, God. And I pray for my brothers and sisters, God, that they would, they would go out and be your mouthpiece, be your hands and feet, but not from a place of I have to, that's what I have to do. No, but it's just effortless because they're living and walking by your spirit. We just love you so much. Thank you for taking us out of darkness and bringing us into the light. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your long, 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 long suffering. We love you so much. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tina. Let's stand together as we continue to worship.